Hello, welcome back. Uh, if you watched, or I should say, if you listened to part one of uh, my random rant about the characters, uh, congrats. And if you are now choosing willingly to listen to part two, I am very impressed. Um, so on that self-deprecating note, uh, this is uh, part two of episode 10.5 of Home. Away. From. Dome. Yeah. Um, so if you're clicking on this and you're like, whoa, I'm confused. I just listened to episode 11 or I just li listened to episode 10. What is this thing? Uh, let me break it down for you. Uh, basically, as just random extra content, I'm judging all the characters quite harshly, I would say. Uh, maybe not harshly enough, honestly. They, they all are pretty bad. Um, and yeah, um, so uh, if you have just listened to episode 11, because I will be editing and putting out 11 first, uh, just know that I'm recording this before I have listened to Steve's podcast or uh, watched the episode 11. So I'm still, all of these um, decisions I'm making are still based purely on the first uh, 10 episodes of season one, which I think is why I'm going to keep it uh, as 10.5 part two, and just for simplicity's sake. However, I do think I'm, I'm, because Steve has already made his next podcast, I'm going to put out episode 11 first. So if you are one of our <laughs> few people who are following it and listening to these podcasts every time they come out, you might be a little confused, but that's okay. Uh, if you're listening to this in the far future, you're probably not confused. You're like, oh, yep, this one comes next, part two. So, awesome. Anyways, as a reminder, in case you didn't listen to part one, which, you know, that's totally fine. Nothing continuous all that much. Uh, basically, um, I am judging the characters of Chester's Mill uh, and the writing of these characters. Uh, I have put together this sort of system. I'm judging them out of 45 uh, as a reminder. So it's 10 out of 10 for consistency of the motivation or just the motivation itself. Uh, out of 10 for realistic or relatabi relatability of the characters in the writing. Out of 20 for the entertainment value. And then an extra five uh, for screen time. So anywhere one to five for that. Uh, now part one, which ended up being a lot longer than I t intended it to be, uh, we looked at the first 15, so numbers 16 to 30 on the list. We've been going backwards. And uh, yeah, we got through quite a few characters. Um, some notable ones, Angie was pretty low, Duke, um, Peter, Maxime, who's the new bad guy, Carolyn, uh, and Alice. Um, yeah, Ollie... Uh, some random kind of more one-offs. And the last one we just talked about was Dodie. Um, so she was in 16th. Now, funny enough, the next person who's in 15, I'm just going to jump right into it. So the next person who's in 15 actually did tie with Dodie, but I kind of just liked him better than Dodie. Uh, he had a much, much higher um, entertainment score, so I put him 15th. So here we go. Number 15 is Carter. Uh, apparently his last name is Thibodeau? Thibodeau? T-H-I-B-O-D-E-A-U. I don't know how to say it. Hasn't been said in the show. I don't know who decided this is his last name or why he even needed a last name, but there you go. So, uh, Marks. Um, motivation 5, Relatability 6, Entertainment 15, and Screen Time 2. Yeah, he's he hasn't been there much, but every time he's referred to or 
you know, every time he comes in, it's quite entertaining. He's Junior's random maybe, maybe friend, but buddy from the football team who is the only other deputy like Junior who kind of does anything. Um, he has had a couple lines, but very few. And then randomly, if they don't want him there, they just sort of say he's slacking off with all the other deputies. So I, I don't know. His character's so weird. The motivation doesn't make sense. Like, why? Like, Junior's, like, power hungry. He wants to be a deputy. It's like, what does this dude want to do? Is he just bored? So sometimes he comes to work and sometimes he doesn't? No idea. Uh, relatability. Not much to relate to, especially since we have no motivation. So, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a big tough football guy. He also doesn't seem like, like he doesn't talk about football. Like, that's all we know about him. So, honestly, relatability is, like, a six. He's quite entertaining, though. Like, I like his lines. I'm unsure what age he's supposed to be. Well, I guess he's supposed to be Junior's age, but I'm unsure what age he actually is. He's sort of just this random, you know, upgraded background guy. But then he also just randomly got shot, and that was entertaining. And, like, his his expressions when he got shot were pretty fantastic. Um, so, yeah, he's just sort of a middle of the pack. I like when he shows up. It's entertaining. Um, yeah, he joins the random group of people that are all just hanging out in the hospital. You got Dodie, you got Carter, you got, uh, DJ Phil. They're all just having a party at the hospital. Oh, and the nurse that we talked about earlier, obviously, because that's apparently where she lives. Anyways, moving on. Okay, so the next two are tied. So in 13th and 14th, so tied for 13th, um... We have uh, one person I just talked about, Phil, um, but before we talk about Phil, let's talk about the bouncer. Now, I don't have a name for him, but uh, he was in the last episode I watched, so episode 10, and uh, he was the random bouncer Maxine had hired to guard the entrance of the fight club. Why there was a bouncer, I'm not entirely sure. Like, was he purely just there to keep out the cops? Because was he there to make sure the people coming in had their goods, like the salt they needed, because he didn't collect anything. So it was unclear why he was really there. I, he was just checking people and being, like, tough and scary. But he wasn't all that scary looking. He honestly just, he was, like, friends with Junior, too. Oh my gosh, I just realized, like, he's probably, like, buddies with Carter. Oh, anyway, super weird. So, uh, motivation eight, relatability six, entertainment 14, screen time one. Yeah, I mean, I thought his motivations were more clear, even if I don't know why he was hired. Like, he's just like, I'm here, maybe he's getting paid and stuff, maybe he just enjoys doing it, I don't know. But his motivation is pretty clear, like, keep Junior out, keep the police, like, check people coming in. He's a bouncer. But at the same time, he's, he's like, okay, relatability. Like, just like Carter, I enjoyed him. He's, you know, he's there, he's like, oh yeah, like, he, his lines aren't weird, like, they're not dramatic. Um... He does a great job of just, like, making fun of Junior and pissing Junior off and then punching him. Like, I do feel like that could be just, like, a thing that happens in real life. Um, yeah, so pretty relatable, medium rela relatability. Um, he's pretty entertaining. Um, I, like, I don't know, I give him a 14 and Carter a 15. Like, they're, they're just entertaining. They're there to basically antagonize Junior, well, the bouncer is, and I just thought it was, it was funny. All right, moving on. So, Phil... Our DJ, DJ Phil Bushy, uh, I gave him a motivation of six, relatability seven, entertainment 13, and screen times three. So I think he honestly would have been quite a bit lower if he hadn't gotten that screen time of three. Um, but I do like him. That's the funny thing. Like, motivation of six, I'm just, like, at first, if you'd asked me, I would have been like, oh, easy. He's the DJ. That's his motivation. He just wants to entertain people. Beethoven keeps the folks mellow. 
you know, and then he's sort of like, oh, let's, you know, with Dodie, let's get all the info from the, uh, you know, outside the dome as best we can with our receivers and stuff. And it's like, great, cool motivation. But then randomly we had that episode where he was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to join Big Jim's militia and get shot. Hey, not folks. Familiar with you ever shot a gun before? Of course I have. My dad and my uncles were Marines, so I've been handling weapons since I was a kid. But why? Like, it felt so against character. Like, And then they didn't explore it. Like, I'm like, I don't mind when you take a, you know, almost stereotypical character. Although, like, it was a stereotype, but it was also, like, he played it really well. And I'll talk about that in a sec. But they took that and they turned it on its head. And I'm like, cool, great. But then they, they just put him in the hospital. So, I don't know. Right now, motivation's lower than I would have originally put it, but hopefully he comes back and I find out more about him. Relatability of Seven. I thought he was the actor. I think I give a lot of credit to the actor for just being very relatable, very cool. I have a friend who I'm thinking of that honestly he felt like he talked the same way, like he's very similar. So, um, and entertainment. Yeah, he's in the same boat. He's pretty entertaining. I just enjoyed him. Um, and you know, screen time, he's got a bit more. So there we go. All right. Uh, so next up, the last two before we hit the final 10, um, tied for 11th and 12th, uh, we have Julia Shumway and Nori Calvert-Hill. So let's talk about Nori first. I put her a bit lower. Um, they are tied, but, uh, but I do just, I don't know. I, yeah, it's, it's close, but, uh, so Nori, Motivation 6, Relatability 6, Entertainment 12, and Screen Time 5. We're getting up to it where a lot of these characters are now going to be Screen Time 5, but not not all of them now that I'm looking. Um, so Nori. So honestly, Nori is in the same boat as Angie where I do feel like I'm supposed to relate to her. I mean, maybe I'm a bit older now, but I still feel like I should be able to relate to her, like the angsty, you know, teenage girl, but it ju it's just over the top. It's, it's, it's like when a male writer writes a female, and then now it's like a female teenager, and you're clearly a, an old man. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just, it's over the top. It's like, I understand her motivations, so I give him a six, but they're not always great. It's like, oh, let me run away from my mom's while I'm stuck in a dome. Like, you knew they'd find you. Did you just want to be away from them? Like, it, did you want to hang out with other teenagers? Did you want to, like, get with Joe? But then also they make her now seem very innocent, even though we were introduced to her and she acted like she wasn't. And, you know, she's the one that brought up, like, let's not have sex, Joe, the, for the first time here. And he's like, sex? Oh my gosh. Oh. And she, but, so it's like, are you innocent? Like, I'm not saying you have to fit in a bubble, but she talks like a stereotype of a angsty teenage girl. And yet her motivation never seems to match that. Um, and then to throw on top of that all the mystical stuff... I feel like what her motivation is with the mystical stuff turns on a whim. Like, sometimes she's with Joe and she's, like, all in. Sometimes she's, like, like, literally th this line. Bring her back. I'll do anything you want. <laughs> Take her away from me. Yeah, so if you'll remember, that was after her mom died, and she was like, Dom, you're my new god, like, bring her back. And I'm like, whoa, okay, like, when did that happen? Because there was also times when she was just like, Joe, you're being silly, or like this or that, or whatever, you know? Um, so I, yeah, her motivation's a little wonky. Relatability six, I don't know, she's not all that relatable, it just, ugh. And entertainment's kind of low at 12, because I'm just like, yeah, like, you're a big part of the story, but eh. Sums it up, kind of, and just like, eh. <laughs> um, okay, 
And so tied with her Julia. Uh, Julia's in a similar boat, um, just an adult version. Like, I think Steve made a joke saying she's the adult version of Nori, and I kind of really agree with that. Uh, motivation eight, I do think it's a little clearer than Nori. Um, she's had this motivation of finding her husband and then figuring out the dome. Like, that's basically it. You know, getting together with Barbie sort of felt like a side thing. Like, they've always sort of kept her... But then the problem becomes... When, when she's got a pretty strong motivation, she does this thing that really annoys me where she constantly makes everything about her, honestly. It's like they'll be having a conversation about something, even sometimes a really deep conversation, and then she just at the end of it gets really selfish and talks about her. And here's an example. And to think it was money that ruined my marriage. But why didn't Duke tell me? Because he loved you. Maybe the same reason Peter didn't tell me. Yeah, so you can see, like, Linda was, you know, talking about being sad about Duke and missing him, and, she, you know, she, they're looking in his box, and then Julia basically is like, I get you because Peter did the thing to me. And it's just like, Julia, like, it's not about you, like, stop being selfish. But she's always talking about herself. It's like, even when Joe was like, oh, this crazy thing happened with us with the dome, and she's just like, well, we have a right to know. You need to tell me. And then... She said we, like the town, has a right to know, but then she didn't tell anyone else in the town. She just took the info herself. So, I, like, you're selfish. <laughs> um, I forgot to even say, so motivation eight, relatability five. She's just so unrelatable. Like, I, she's, I don't know, I dislike her. Uh, entertainment 11, eh, and screen time of five. So, yeah, that's Julia. All right, folks, we're in the top ten. Woo, woo, woo. So, um... <laughs> The next, the next two, ironically, like I just said, um, are not uh, Screen Time Fives, uh, and I'm not really sure how they got in the, the top ten, but uh, maybe as we're talking, I'll, uh, I'll figure it out. Um, so number ten, Reverend Lester Coggins. Um, motivation four, Relatability seven, Entertainment fourteen, and Screen Time four. Yeah, he sort of eked into the ten there. Um, motivation very low. He went from the drug thing and he was a drug addict and what drug addict and whatever but then all of a sudden he's like oh god's here be with and i'm like oh okay like you're you are actually very godly and like i it was his motivation was odd but then you know they did choose one and go with it which is why i gave him like the four but um it sort of was like they changed their mind a couple episodes in they're like actually we're gonna do this so cool uh relatability seven i mean he did a good job of being the the kind of religious person that we've all kind of heard about. Like, I haven't met anyone like this, but, like, I feel like I definitely have heard about the crazy, over-the-top religious people. And, you know, so in that case, it was sort of like, yeah, yeah, okay, I can see how you're, you're relatable, whatever. I mean, his lines aren't always all that relatable, but I think what they were trying to go and do with him is fairly relatable, unfortunately. Um, and Entertainment 14, yeah, I mean, like, when he was there, he's pretty funny. Um, he was funny in that way where his lines were ridiculous, and he caused a lot of drama that I was just like, oh, okay, like, and he was a cool, like, he was the kind of villain who, like, no, like, he, he thinks he's doing it for the right reasons, which is always an interesting villain, but then they were just like, nah, we're, we're, we're sick of you, and then just sort of killed him, and honestly, in some ways, I like that because I, I've had, I'd had enough when they killed him. I was like, great, we're done with all that. So that might have worked out in his favor. Um, but I gave him a screen time of four, even though he died, because I feel like while he was here, he was a big part of it. So 
Uh, next up at nine is Rose Twitchell, apparently, is her last name, which is the weirdest last name. But, uh, yeah, she's the diner owner uh, who Angie used to work for, and then she got killed, and now Angie um, took over for her. So, Rose. Um, motivation, eight. Relatability, ten. Entertainment, ten. Screen time, two. So, I think it really pushed her up that she was very relatable. Um, motivation, eight. Yeah, like, she was... She was just sort of that old-timey, um, you know, feeling diner owner. I'm not gonna lie, I know her from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and so I feel like that sort of bumped up her relatability to me, but, um, but also just I feel like she, you know, she, she had a part that I really disliked where when Carolyn and, um, was kind of berated by the homophobic guy Ollie, um, she sort of went, oh, sweetie, yeah, here, come over here, dad, they're just like that, and as frustrated as I was for her saying that, I was like, that's very relatable, because I know there's tons and tons of people who, not even just with homophobia, but don't like talking about big social issues, so that was very relatable, even though it was so frustrating, um, and I really remember that, and, and yeah, I thought she did, she was, she did a good job even in her, like, death scene. Like, I felt it was very, like, you know, don't come in here, guys, I got a bat. Like, I'm standing up for herself, but with that, like, fear. Um, I think the actress, honestly, I love, I think she's great. So, I think she really elevated this really small character. Um, but yeah, so she did decent enough to get into nine. So, there you go. All right, so now we get into some of the big guns. Uh, some of our really main characters again. And, uh, so tied in seventh... We have, uh, I guess, our good guy and one of our, like, our clear good guys and our clear bad guys. Um, so, I gave the tie to uh, Big Jim over Linda, but they are tied in points. So, Linda got a Motivation 3, Relatability 8, Entertainment 14, and Screen Time 5. Yeah, I have a lot to say about Linda, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it down a notch because I want to get through all these. Um, so, Linda... <laughs> I would say Linda is written poorly, but she's acted worse. I, this actress, I don't, I'm not saying she's a bad person, but man, I've seen her in a few things and she is, she just, there's times when there's a line and I'm like, I know exactly what the writer was going for and it was okay. And she says it in the weirdest way that makes the scene not make sense or makes the motivation not make sense. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I meant this, but like, I can't be sure because you said it weird. And just like, I feel like she always chooses the wrong way to say lines and she's not given the best script but I blame it more on her honestly I feel like with if she said them normally I'd have given her an like a better I feel like she'd be top five but yeah so her motivation is all over the place um partly to do with the writing and she's thrown into whatever but honestly mostly to do with her I just feel like the motivation she's supposed to be the good guy cop like that's supposed to be it but she's kind of jerked around a bit about, like, how she feels about other characters. Like, I think Steve's touched on, you know, oh, Junior, you're in trouble. Oh, Junior, you're okay. You, you know, and both because you killed random people. It's like, what? Okay. Anyways. Um, so here's a, here's, here's my favorite Linda quote to bring us out of her. I'm just, I'm just doing my job. Yeah. So that just about sums up the ridiculousness of Linda Esquivel. So, yeah. Uh, so tied with her, uh, in seventh, we have James Big Jim Rennie. I really, I don't know, I haven't even chosen what quote I'm going to use yet. Um, so, uh, let's just put it right here. My name is Councilman Rennie, uh, Big Jim Rennie, but this isn't a car commercial. Yeah, um, hopefully I find a good one because 
he has so many ridiculous, ridiculous quotes. Um, I gave him a motivation of two, uh, relatability four, entertainment 19, and screen time five. Yeah, um, he was one of the reasons Steve actually, um, told me a good idea was to put the extra points for screen time because he was quite low on my list originally. Uh, motivation two, his motivation is just all over, like... I have no sympathy for the Dundee brothers, but that doesn't qualify you to be their judge and executioner. Who are you to say who deserves to be punished? Have you ever killed someone, Agatha? I mean, I know you got your sob story and all, but have you ever really rolled up your sleeves and murdered someone? Because I have. Is he an anti-hero? Is he a bad guy? Is he a hero? Is he, like, it's like, what? I, you know, I've seen people go from hero and anti-hero, whatever, but all of a sudden he's, like, the, the, the actual bad guy, and now he's the anti- like, he's all over the place, and not, it's not like, oh, this season he's this, and this, it's like, this episode he's that, like, the water thing, it was like, you went, the motivation was water in the one and then you decided to do the same thing about water, but your new motivation was to stop Ollie from taking... Like, it just... I don't know. It's it's all over. You could say, oh, his motivation is power, but is it? Like, sometimes he's doing good things for the town, but then also for bad reasons? Is his motivation power even though he's... Like, why did he have a whole episode where he took all the guns because Maxine wanted him to? And then the next episode, he's, like, working on destroying her. And it's, like, why wasn't the first episode him trying to destroy Maxime? I don't understand. Like, wh why help her? Like, it... I don't know. Anyways, relatability four. I don't relate to this character. He's just a mess. He's all over the place. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Has the most ridiculous written lines. Um, yeah. Entertainment 19, though. I mean, he's part of the heart and soul of this ridiculous um, show. So, you know... <laughs> His lines, his ridiculous lines, his okay lines, they're all entertaining. It's all... He makes me laugh more often than I think they meant him to, but there you go. All right. So, I know technically we're in the top six, but we're actually in the top five because the next two are also a tie. Um, and I'm going to go through those two quite quickly. Um, but tied in fifth and sixth, I guess, is Agatha uh, and Freddie Denton. So, Freddie Denton, let's start with him. Freddie Denton was the very nice brother of Rusty, um, who you'll remember is Linda's fiance. So this was the other police officer who was in for maybe two episodes, maybe one, I don't even remember. He was really sweet. I gave him a motivation of eight, relatability nine, entertainment 14. So motivation of eight, like he, he's a police officer. He's what I would have thought Linda should have been, like just straightforward. And he's very relatable. He's one of the few times I felt like the writers were creating a character I believed, like things he said. It was like Linda was getting crazy about, oh, I miss Rusty or whatever, and it's day two, and he's like, oh, you know, Rusty, you'll see him again. He's great. And it's like, oh, yeah, calming presence. I love it. And then they just immediately killed him off, which was both hilarious and part of the reason I gave him such a high entertainment score, but also sad because I really liked this character. So, you know, there's Freddy for you. <laughs> And tied with him in fifth was Agatha Seagrave. So this was a recent character. Uh, you might be surprised why she's so high on my list, um, especially because I said, oh, I like the good guys more, which is part of why Freddy's here. But um, Agatha, I really like. She's so far my favorite villain. Um, motivation 8, relatability 7, entertainment 16, and screen time 1. Um, so I'm just going to right off the bat say this is my favorite line she said. Maxine didn't learn to be the way she is from her father. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was probably one of the most ridiculous lines, but other than that, she was, she had good, decent writing, and the actress was amazing. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, solid motivation, like, they went into her backstory, like, that was her whole character, right? So, solid motivations. Um, it's sort of funny because I feel like any weirdness in her motivation got transferred in my mind to Maxime. Like, her motivation is, like, destroy the town. Maxime, it's, like, coming in and sort of helping Duke and doing this and that, but I, but I throw that on Maxime. She's just like, nope, I refuse to go into, she as an Agatha is, like, I refuse to go in town, I'm staying here, I'm in this beautiful house, and I'm like, yes, yeah, like, you can still be angry and just enjoy your life and not, like, be trying to actively destroy them. So, I don't know, I thought she had good motivation, she was pretty relatable. Like, she felt like she should have been the big, big bad, not Maxine. Like, it should have been, like, you know, the, the, like, do you really usually have the big bads being the one coming and telling you and convincing you? It's like, no, they're usually, like, in their big-ass house and just, like, enjoying all their fancy stuff. And that felt exactly like Agatha. So, I don't know. Yeah, I really liked her. Um, quite relatable. Like, I think I, a lot of that was on the actress. She made it all quite relatable, uh, except her death was very ridiculous. And again, so her entertainment, like, I liked her backstory. I liked the character. I liked the actress. And then there was that little bit of under the dome ridiculousness with the line I just said, which, by the way, that line was unprompted. Like, you might be thinking, oh, it's not that weird if Big Jim was like, oh, where's her daddy? Not, not at all. She literally, out of the blue, when she grabs the gun, says, like, she didn't learn it from her daddy. And it's like, what? No one asked. Like, no one thought that. Like, why? <laughs> we, we just learned you're her mother. Why would we think it was her dad? I don't know. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so not only was that all entertaining, but the little ridiculousness of that line and also her death, where she stands up in the boat, falls into the water, and then seemingly drowns because her hands are tied. And I just was like, you can kick. You can, like, like, it's, the lake doesn't seem that big. Like, I'm not saying, like, I almost needed a scene where she's trying, but it just sort of felt like she was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And I'm like, oh, okay. So her entertainment was high for that too. Same as Freddie. Like, it just felt like it, their deaths were quite entertaining. Um, but I'm hopeful she didn't die though. That's the other thing. Um, she was a great character and we didn't actually see her drown. We just saw Jim leave her. So, I don't know. I don't think she will, but I really hope she comes back. All right. Uh, now, technically, we have four left, but technically also, I guess not technically, but theoretically, this is the final three because we have another tie. I know, so many ties. Um, so, in third, we have Joe McAllister and James Jr. Rennie. So, uh, I put Joe kind of in the fourth place slot. Um... So, Motivation of 7, Relatability 7, Entertainment 13, and Screen Time 5. Um, yeah, Joe, Joe's just a solid, weird character. Um, his Motivation of 7, like, from the get-go, he's been pretty motivated to just figure out what's happening with the dome, and he's sort of the driving plot of the mysticism, and as much as the mysticism is weird and probably not going the ways that it should be, Joe's pretty motivated and pretty, like, it's normal. Like, he, you know, and it's also not, like, Julia, who, like, has no real connection other than being in the dome. Joe is like, no, you're literally, this dome is giving me seizures. It's doing this. It's doing that. It, you know, I'm figuring it out. So, uh, solid, you know, solid. Uh, solidly relatable. I mean, I feel like he is a nerd and he says weird things and he, like, likes the science and whatever and, but at the same time, they don't go all in. Like, a lot of times, 
he'll say something that's like okay and then nori's like you're a nerd or you're you're talking too much nonsense and it's just like he's not really like I can understand him. Like, you're you're in high school. <laughs> Nothing he's saying is more than, like, level, you know, grade nine science, so I don't know. But, uh, but jo- I'm not saying Joe has some ridiculous lines. Uh, a lot of times he's spelling out the science for us or <laughs> just having the most ridiculous, like, his knowledge of butterflies. Oh, my God. But honestly, as funny as that line is and he has tons of weird, funny lines, I'm just going to go right back to the beginning and enjoy <laughs> the first of my favorite lines of his. It's Joe, right? Yeah, McAllister. That's when he first meets Barbie, and it's just so earnest and silly, and that about sums up Joe McAllister. So I'm gonna leave it right there. Now on the flip side of the earnest and fun and cute little Joe McAllister, we have the opposite, which is James Jr. Rennie. So Jr. gave Motivation 7, Relatability 3, Entertainment 17, and um, screen time five. So they actually have the same motivation, Junior and Joe uh, level. Um, Junior, I gave it to him because as crazy as he's acting, he's very motivated with, you know, keeping her in the bunker. um, And then he's very motivated, sort of confusingly though, but he's pretty motivated with like, okay, I'm going to be a cop and I'm going to be tough and I'm going to, I'm going to make my dad like me. And then all of a sudden now he's been indoctrinated indoctrinated, indoctrinated (laughs) into the children of the corn. So like, even though he's sort of flip-flopping around, he's not quick flip-flopping. He's sort of like, okay, now I'm doing this for seven episodes and now I'm doing this for two and now, you know, so I don't know. Maybe that's too high, but I I gave him a seven for that. Uh, Relatability though, three. Oh my God, this character is ridiculous. He has ridiculous lines like this. You can't see it, but I can. You're sick, Angie, but I'm going to make you better. You can leave whenever you're ready, but not before. You're angry, but it's the dome that's making you act like this. And it's just <laughs> no relatability whatsoever. Like, he literally is a psychopath, um, and he's ridiculous. And I'll have, I'll, I would just like to remind everyone that he started being a psychopath before the dome came down. Like, he literally kidnapped Angie the same day it came down. Like, this was not correlated. So, I don't know. I, I think Steve is right that the show is trying to basically gaslight us into pretending he was a good, you know, he had real reasons and she was acting weird because of Dome. And it's like, no, 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 this guy's a psychopath and I don't like him for that. But at the same time, he's very entertaining. It's like, I'm so mad at him I'm entertained. Um, the actor does a really good job of making me hate this character. So, you know, good on ya. Entertainment score, high, you know? So, there we go. All right, final two. So, you might be wondering where is our... Hero, Dale, Barbie, Barbara, Barbara, Barbarossa? I don't know. Uh, Number two, that's our Barbie. Um, Yeah, so Motivation 5, Relatability 6, Entertainment 18, and Screen Time 5. Yeah, like, again, he, his motivation is odd. I give him a mid-level because he, he just, whatever the story needs him to do, he does. Like, he is our he is the least everyman everyman I've ever seen in a show, but he's basically treated like the vehicle that we are supposed to watch this show with, and it's so ridiculous because sometimes you remember, it's like, oh, he's got this army training, which he can, you know, he does guns, and he can take people down, and he's also a smart aleck, and, but then he also, he's also a motivational coach, and, uh, this is my favorite line of his. Right? Some people, they're always gonna show up. Now, we're here, all right? We're not going anywhere, but I'm gonna need you to show up, too. 
Yeah, so you'll remember he was talking to Harriet, who was in the middle of, you know, giving birth, and uh, then he proceeded to become the doctor when Alice fainted. So, yeah, that, like, I'm not sure how we're supposed to relate to this character of Barbie. Um, I gave him a six for relatability because I think the show really pushes for us to relate to him, and we get the most info about him, I think, and things like that, but it's just so ridiculous that I couldn't give it a higher score. Same with the motivation. Like, I feel like we always know what his motivation is in the moment because the show shoves it down our throat, but it doesn't make it normal. It doesn't, it's not consistent. It's always changing every five minutes. Not even every episode in this case. It's literally every scene Barbie has a whatever motivation he feels like, and it's so unrelatable. I, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, but at the same time, again, without him, we'd have no show, so he's very entertaining. Um, I never know what he's gonna do, which, you know, sometimes that's good in, like, a side character. I don't know. I would argue it's not good in your main character, but it's, it is what, he's basically the show, him and Jim, so, you know, pretty high entertainment score there. So, he ended up in second. Now, you might be like, Lindsay, why is Barbie in second? Who are we missing? Who is the last piece in first? Who beat, you know, Junior and Barbie and Joe and, you know, Big Jim and Linda? Like, who else? I can't think of another character. Ah, well, you are forgetting the best character on the show. Um, I'm going to start by saying his scores. Uh, Motivation 8, Relatability 8, Entertainment 18, and Screen Time 3. That's right, Screen Time is 3, guys, because he is not a main character, but every time he's on, mwah, it's just beautiful. I am, of course, talking about Ben Drake. It's Ben. Ben Drake from AP English. Uh, so his motivation is clear. Like, he just, he's there to party. He's there to have a good time. Uh, and then when he does become a part of a story, there's very clear motivations. I think the writing for him, because they don't have to put him in all these stories, the writing for him has been quite consistent, and the actor has been very consistent. So he has, one, I think, one of the highest motivation consistency scores in this whole list. Um, and same with relatability. Like, I feel like the actor does a really good job of taking these stupid lines and just making them like, ah, I'm a kid, I'm just saying something silly. And it's like, yeah, that's that's the character. So he is the epitome of what this show needs. Uh, just, a, just like a fun guy who's almost, he doesn't break the fourth wall, but in a lot of ways he, it's like the character recognizes how dumb being under this dome is and how they should just enjoy it and party. <laughs> and I love it. I love all of it clearly because I gave him an 18 entertainment score and it's he's great he in every everything he's in I just smile and enjoy it and yeah uh screen time three yeah um so I have one more quote for him uh because so this is the first time he sort of came out of the just like following Joe and like making quips or oh my gosh remember when he skateboarded on the dome hilarious um but this is the one time when he sort of, like, did something real. I just need to tell you something. So you can go home? No, nah, man, I don't think I will. <laughs> yeah, so that was when he stood up to Junior because clearly... And, like, he could tell. Like, 
Angie, I don't think, even told him about the, you know, all the craziness, but he just, like, sensed that, like, something was off and he was gonna stay, and he stood up to Junior, who's a cop now and scary and whatever, and I just, I loved him even more. I was like, oh, you were just such a fun side character, and now I think that is really what pushed him over the edge in my, in my books and just made him, like, the perfect character. Unfortunately, we haven't seen him a lot since then, which is why his screen time was, you know, only a three, but I really hope he comes back soon because... I'm missing my Ben time. He's, uh, he's really what I'm watching this show for, ladies and gentlemen, so. <laughs> Hell yeah, Chug. On that note, um, thank you so much. If you listened to all of this part and part one, I mean, wow, uh, you probably, uh, deserve some sort of a award, um, but I don't have one, and also I can't bring it to you because we are stuck inside. So, you know, virtual rewards. Imagine me putting it on your neck right now great job. And just thank you. Thank you for listening uh, to me and to Steve. Um, and yeah, so um, hopefully this will be out soon. And hopefully you enjoyed it. And, you know, um, feel free to reach out to me and be, you know, I, I think we've now been watching the show so long, I would love to hear other people's thoughts. Um, besides Steve and me. <laughs> um, if you have thoughts and things, call me, beat me if you want to reach me. So anyways, talk to you soon. Bye!